Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. Uh, today we are receiving again Jeff Clark. We just had a very, very nice uh, career call with Jeff last week. He talked about uh, basically how to build experience in the business world and, and how that uh, led to him to, to where he is today. So today we, we are going to talk about a little bit more the research side that he's been developing and things that he see. We covered that little uh, bit in our last episode. So let me go ahead and call Brooke Laytech. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great. So, Brooke, uh, today we have Jeff again. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Pedro. Brooke, how are you guys? Good, good. Thank you for, for joining us again. Uh, and was was very, very nice to have you last week with us. We've learned a lot. I hope our listeners don't miss the opportunity to listen about your career. And a lot of good things that you, you shared with us, like implementing from simple technologies, collecting data, taking decisions out of that, and how building skills throughout your career uh, and harvesting that later on. That was that was awesome. Uh, and just with with that background and, and, and a lot of things about data collection and things like that, I think that's a little bit what we are going to talk about today, right, Brooke? Yeah, so today we're going to talk to Jeff just a little bit about Sealock um, and what they're doing related to livestock su sustainability. Um, so, Jeff, I was just kind of hoping to start with a little bit of background about Sealock for anyone who may not know. Um, so can you give us a little bit of background about the company, their principles and the type of technology that you guys offer? Absolutely. So Sealock, uh, first and foremost, is a family owned and operated company. Uh, we're based out of Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, the company was founded in 2005 um, by Dr. Patrick Zimmerman. Um, Mr. Zimmerman uh, has an extensive background in range management um, and also um, atmospheric science. And so um, he's really an expert uh, in regards to, uh, you know, both uh, the range space as well as fluxes, uh, airflow, um, and kind of anything to do uh, with uh, the atmosphere. And so, you know, he, he kind of coupled these together for a project that he had um, years ago before the invention of kind of our flagship product, Greenfeed, which we'll get to later, where he was monitoring um, methane emissions from termite mounds in Africa. So he had to invent a device to do that. And after he had completed that project, he kind of thought to himself, well, how can I, you know, adapt this machine to work for large ruminants? Um, because, you know, uh, there's, there's some room there for improvement uh, as far as emissions, especially on the enteric side. Um, and so that's what led him down the road to creating the first green feed uh, in his garage. And now today, uh, we not only offer green feed, but we offer our smart feed line of uh, feed efficiency monitoring equipment automated scales, precision feeding technology um, for both pasture and in-yard systems. Um, and we're in, you know, over 42 different countries around the world. Wow. I, di I didn't know that about the starts of the company. So that's really, really interesting. Um, so what type of research are you seeing that people are doing with the technologies that you guys offer? 
So we, you know, we, we service everyone from, um, you know, commercial and seed stock, uh, beef and dairy operations who are collecting, uh, data mainly, uh, targeted towards performance metrics like feed efficiency, um, you know, and average daily gain, um, you know, all the way to, uh, research that's being done now where, uh, you know, folks are actually phenotyping emissions, um, you know, in individual animals and looking at heritability and how we can breed these animals, you know, to produce, uh, more efficient, um, you know, lower, uh, emission producing animals. So, um, you know, and beyond that, I'd say, uh, feed additives are a large part of our business companies that are looking for, uh, kind of, uh, that golden ticket to a product that, that really doesn't impact performance, but does decrease emissions. Um, I'd say those are our largest, uh, largest users at this point. But what I'm most excited about is the current research that's being done for baselining, you know, U.S. management practices. Uh, to me, coming from the producer side, I've heard for years how much we polluted um, in this area, and no one can tell me what the actual numbers are because when when we look at all this uh, data on the on the backside, it's all derived from these equations that are based on assumptions. And now, you know, we have this green feed product that provides you with actual measurements in a real world environment. That's really great. Um, especially because those numbers I think are going to be critically important now that we, um, you know, more people are talking about it, having those concrete numbers and having that evidence-based science is going to be really helpful for producers and everyone else. So that's really great. Um, so with the research that you see going on currently, what are some of the challenges that you see um, people who use the technologies having and what do you think are some potential solutions down the road? So we've tried to kind of create products that take a lot of those challenges out. So, um, you know, just to give you an example, you know, all of our products uh, can work with either hardline power or solar. So you can work with them remotely. If uh, all of our products have a built-in um, computer system where if you lose your data transfer capability, which is offered via Wi-Fi or cell data package, if no Wi-Fi is available, um, so that way you can stream in remote areas, you can store up to two years of data right on the system. Um, we automatically monitor your system um, for um, issues with data or power and send automated alerts, um, you know, to to kind of give you a, a very quick heads up if there's an issue with your research. So we've kind of taken out, uh, you know, some of the issues folks have seen in the past where they might not find a problem till the end and their research is ruined. We really have tried to put these uh you know, safety items in place to make sure that your data is good um, and you're notified of any issues up front. So, but that being said, some of the struggle, the, honestly, the largest struggle I think folks are finding is um, funding. Um, so, you know, this latest um, climate smart grant opportunity from the USDA has been, um, I think, a great opportunity um, for a lot of folks to try and, and get into uh, this type of research and, uh, you know, procure some of these items. But um, I'd say the cost barrier, um, you know, it's not our equipment, um, you know, is, is valued, I think, proportionately to the value it provides. However, um, it's, it's not cheap. And so, um, you know, I think if there was more um, funding available for this type of research, we'd see a lot more being done. So, Definitely. I mean, 
I think Pedro and I have talked to quite a few people who one of the biggest things is grant writing, finding the funds for all that research and stuff. So yeah, that's definitely understandable. Um, and then just my last question is what do you see um, in the future related to sustainability and livestock production? So I see, I see um, genetic progress being a leader in this area. I also see some of these feed additives that, have been working for a long time um, to kind of get the approvals needed to be implemented on a large scale. They're getting extremely close. Um, take the 3NOP, uh, you know, joining forces with Elenco um, as kind of an example of that. Um, 3NOP is a great customer of ours and has been for years. And so all of these things are kind of coming to a head. You know, um, we have some folks in Ireland that have been uh, you know, capturing both feed and taking emissions data on beef cattle over there for years now. Um, and, and they're looking at, you know, the heritability and the breeding opportunities um, to, you know, uh, genetically select for cattle that produce lower emissions. And the cool part is we're seeing all this tie back to kind of the rumen microbiome in a sense. And so, you know, what they're finding is the heritability of, um, you know, emissions and in, in particular methane um, is, is between a 0.3 and 0.4 from what they're finding, which is pretty similar to feed intake. Um, and so, I mean, you can make some genetic progress there, but kind of the, the more interesting side of this to me is, um, you know, I think we're getting into some more studies that are um, actually looking at the rumen microbiome and what, what those uh, lower emitting animals kind of have as far as a population of bacteria versus the less efficient or higher emitting animals? Um, and is there a genetic component to that? So that that's pretty cool. Uh, uh, I have, I have, I don't know if Brooke has more questions, but I just, uh, Jeff, you, you were recently in a, in a big meeting in Florida talking about uh, all of the greenhouse emissions and, and everything. Could you just highlight some things that you, like you already mentioned genetics. Is there anything else that you think they they were talking on that meeting that we haven't covered? Uh, and what, what are the things that we've been missing that you think like, yeah, that's something that should be looked. I mean, I don't know if you already mentioned that on gen the genetics and fit additives, but is there anything else that we you feel that we should be looking on that? Um, you know, I think we, we all need to finally maybe agree on what sustainability really means, you know, so we have the data that shows obviously, you know, cattle in a feed yard or in a dairy situation um, are just so much more efficient um, and produce, you know, a lot less enteric emissions than a grass-based system. But we have uh a society now that is kind of pushing towards that grass-based system of lower production um, and higher emissions to a degree um, as their sustainability um, kind of golden ticket. And I, I think both of these things need to come together. I mean, we, we do need to look at, um, you know, and compare not just the emissions from these grass-based systems, but also, you know, what kind of carbon is sequestered into the ground through that grazing process. Um, but transversely, we need to look at this on the feed yard side because a tremendous amount of carbon is pulled into the ground when we grow corn, wheat, um, you know, and, and some of these other uh, feed ingredients. So 
we really need to quantify the whole system instead of looking at these snapshots. And I think we're getting closer to that now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's really an area where we may find out uh, we're a lot closer to neutral than, uh, than we may have thought to begin with. And, and that's kind of where my mindset is. And, and, and I view our, our technology as a way to monitor that and equip producers down the road to maybe capitalize on um, some of these emerging carbon markets and other opportunities. That's pretty cool. I, yeah, that's, that's nice to see. One, one other question that I have, and it's just, it's, I, I don't want to put you in a spot, but like, is there, uh, does CLOC has any internal grant opportunities, maybe for producers or uh, university that, that you would like to share as well. Like you mentioned the the farm smart from USA, but what about the company itself? Do you guys have any internal uh, opportunities for that? Um, so we actually have facilitated a grant program in the past, and actually at the GGAA, um, the founder um, and owner, Dr. Patrick Zimmerman, announced um, we will be providing another grant uh, opportunity. Um, you know, specifically looking at. Um, implementing green feed uh, with maybe some new technology um, or kind of uh, additional uh, data point monitoring system. So um, that uh, will be coming here in the next oh, six months or so. I think some more information will be out on that. Um, but if, you, uh, if you're not already signed up for our newsletter or email, make sure you go to our website, www.c-lockinc.com. Sign up for that email newsletter so that way you will be updated as these things progress and have an opportunity to maybe apply that's 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 important to know we should do that Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> but uh what else than than methane do you think we should be looking at like uh is there anything else that like you mentioned the carbon sequestration uh what about let's say water or nitrogen is there anything that you see on the sustainability side that we should be looking for that as well? No, absolutely. Great question. I mean, and additionally to methane and carbon dioxide, Greenfeed also monitors hydrogen um, and oxygen. So obviously hydrogen is extremely handy if you are uh, performing a feed additive trial um, to monitor that shift um, away from methane, but then also the oxygen side, you know, really helps uh, us realize, you know, uh, metabolic uh, functionality um, and, and activities. And so, um, so those are really important, but, you know, we've actually just uh, designed a system um, to monitor both um, animal body weights along with water intake. Um, and so we're fine tuning that system, but I think, I think, you know, the next steps here, we need to complete the circle. So, you know, we tend to focus, hyper-focus on one area um, that is is typically greatly affected by by other things. I mean, take feed efficiency, for example, you can focus, focus on feed efficiency, but environment, um, you know, weather, uh, feed type, ration, um, you know, the weight of the cattle when they're put on test, all of these things uh, where they creep fed as a calf, you know, that all these things can kind of add to that component. Um, and we really need to be looking at more of a life cycle assessment um, and, and the complete package taking into account, you know, freight, transportation, carbon sequestration, um, and water resources um, and everything tied to that. I think water will become a big deal as we see more droughts and things, um, you know, kind of hitting the United States um, and, and the world for that matter. Um, water is a big issue, but um, you know, I think 
I think reducing that carbon footprint while increasing performance is really where we need to be. So there's not one spot I think that's more important than another per se, because if we increase performance metrics and efficiency tremendously, but we, we, we increase emissions by a smaller amount, we still have a net gain of output right towards that, those emissions. And so I think just looking at it from that perspective. I, I agree. And I don't think there is a silver bullet. It's, it's a complex system. And going back to our, was your first, second episode, right, Brooke? Thinking systems, like when we talked mm -hmm. about that, I think that's, that's something that it's, it's not, it's not simple. It's not easy, but like you said, we've made a lot of progress and especially in quantifying that and see where we are creating this baseline so we can, we, It's it go back to our past episode, like you were mentioned, like when you were in the, working a farm collecting data, and like if you think about and, and taking the decisions with that data, like you mentioned, you went to a farm, they didn't have a tag number. How you identify the cow if they didn't have the tag number? And it's funny to see that you're still like doing similar thing, like now you're helping to give the tag number to the system so we can make the progress. It's it's quite interesting. I, I didn't think about that, but it's kind of an analogy on that. <laughs> no, and, and Pedro, on that too, you know, I think the biggest hurdle we are going to have is uh, implementing these practices on a large commercial scale. And that's where we need to focus. Um, and so, you know, whether it be through genetic progress or feed additives, how are we going to monitor uh, you know, the improvement, um, you know, and, and do it on a national and maybe global level, um, that has some sort of, uh, certification tied to it, uh, to add to, you know, to the validity of kind of the work that we're doing. And, um, you know, I think you're going to see some opportunities for, uh, consultants in third-party verification programs, um, You know, I even have some ideas for bringing green feed commercial and, and you know, providing feed yards with pen lot um, averages so that way they can possibly create their own PVP and bring it all the way to the supermarket where, uh, you know, we have pen loads of cattle, um, lots of cattle that have uh, actually been measured for enteric emissions. And instead of, you know, when you buy your airline ticket, seeing that carbon footprint, was, that, could, that could be on the package of beef. So. I was thinking about that right now. Like uh, nowadays, when you go to buy a, a ticket flight, you see the emissions on that. That that would be awesome. That's that's cool. And uh, last but not least, I don't know if like just because I'm looking at my notes here, and you mentioned that you guys are in 42 different countries. Is that correct? That's correct. Roughly, so, maybe yeah. 43 today. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anything that you see done in those places that? we are not doing right now or something that you guys did here that is helping those places uh, out there? Um, that's a great question. I would say the United States has been a lot slower to adopt um, this technology, both on the feed efficiency side um, and intake monitoring, as well as uh, the methane and carbon dioxide emission monitor. So like we've had customers in Ireland, for example, um, New Zealand, Australia, um, you know, France, Norway, um, the Netherlands, um, doing this work for a long, a lot longer period of time. Um, so, you know, they're past the point where they, you know, now they've collected the baselines. Now they're looking at the next step, you know, the Irish cattle breeding federation, for example, um, you know, 
they, uh, they've done a lot of work on looking at heritability, um, things we haven't done here. And so, um, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, I, I probably get a inquiry from Australia, um, once a week in regards to some of our pasture, uh, feeding systems. And, and they're looking at, you know, how do I feed in a, a methane reducing feed additive on a large scale to commercial cows out on the ranch, you know? And so just some of these things that we're not doing yet here, we're getting there. Um, they've been doing for a while. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it, it does. And, and it, it's really cool. I have a friend who is a researcher in Australia and I'd actually should bring him here sometime, Brooke. They are doing, uh, some research on how to deliver those additives through the water system and and things like that so it's it's pretty cool i mean i uh it's it's look to like our career calls is to see what people are doing their careers so we can take as an example and what you said we can look at different countries what they are doing take as a good examples and implement and bring that to our system so that's that's pretty cool and good to hear that as well that people are advanced on that so we we should avoid the mistakes that they did in the past and just cross that line a little faster. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, I don't have any other questions. Do you have any questions, Brooke? Nope. So Jeff, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else that we should mention that we forgot about the sustainability perspective and your perspective on that? Um, I mean, I guess there's one item I would add is, is that, um, you know, first off as a producer myself, you know, I'd like to thank, you guys and pretty much, you know, everyone out there who, who is doing work in this arena for, for looking at it uh, from the perspective of having the producer's best interests in mind. Um, we know that you, you, you do, and, and you, uh, you know, you're really working to find solutions that will both make our, uh, uh, you know, food system, uh, more sustainable, um, long-term, but, but also, uh, you know, keep, family farms and ranches operating with uh, as little impact as possible. And so, you know, I just want to thank you all, um, you know, in the audience of this group for the work that you're doing. And um, I really do think you're on the right track. And I think the, uh, the future needs to hold an opportunity for ranchers to, to sell credits for what they're already doing to companies uh, that need these offsets and, and it versus regulation. Um, I know some stuff in Ireland has recently been passed that worries me a little bit, um, you know, on the regulation side and, um, you know, just the foundation of our country um, relies on free markets. And I think that that's probably the strongest way for us to continue to develop this. So I just hope it continues that way. Yes, me too. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much, Jeff. It's been really, really uh, two fun episodes. We've learned a lot. Is is really nice to hear about your career things that you've done um i don't have do you have anything else brooke nope good to go so thank you once again jeff oh last but not least we mentioned that in our last episode but how can people reach out to you and see log to know about more about your work you mentioned the newsletter can you just repeat your contact information your website and how can people reach out to you you bet. And thanks again um, for having me on the show. So um, our website is www.c-lockinc.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. Um, I, I myself am on Facebook, Jeff Clark, um, or on Instagram, um, the C-Lock page or Jeff Clark Livestock, um, you know, as well as LinkedIn. Um, so 
uh, we're pretty accessible. If you jump on our website, um, you can sign up for that newsletter um, and always, uh, you know, feel free to find me on our about us page and give me a phone call. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. You if you are listening to us, I want to read the description of this episode as well as more information that we also have our uh, cattle call newsletter. Uh, it's the it, to sign for that is the description of this episode. You can also send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com and uh, give any suggestions, anything that you want to us uh, for us to talk about here. We appreciate that. Uh, thank you once again for listening to us. Any question, anything that you want to to uh, ask us, send us an email, follow us on, on the, our uh, social media webpage. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call.